Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. And we come to you this afternoon with Newcastle United confirming the deal of Sandro Tonali. Aaron, I suspect you've already had a brilliant weekend, but that news might just take it up a notch. Yeah, it's a perfect way to start a Monday, perfect way to start a new week. Um, yeah, look, Newcastle, not messing about at all, as you, as you say, as the title of this podcast says, Statement signing, a really, really important deal. And look, if the summer continues in this form, I think it'll be a good one. We're going to get into what it means for Newcastle tonight, what kind of message it sends out, and then where next. But before I do that, I'm just going to urge you guys to please vote for our podcast in the British Podcast Awards. I've popped the link there into the comments of the Facebook and YouTube channels, and I'll pop it in the link in the description. Uh, just simply add everything is back my podcast when prompted and click submit we really appreciate you guys doing so and hopefully try and follow up on a, another award this year right Sandro Tonali we've been waiting and waiting we said nothing to worry about just formalities in a way I was quite impressed because it seemed like he wanted his focus to be on his country and on the Euro Championships obviously go out um, earlier than expected which was met with tea, uh, cheers of joy on, on Tyneside and the deal then was sped up you know, this is a big, big sign. If you want to make a splash in the transfer market, Aaron, this is the way you go and do it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's the position that Newcastle needed to strengthen more than um, any other. It's a name that, you know, came completely out the left field. We spoke about it, what, two, three weeks ago on this podcast. And, you know, I admittedly thought that it was all paper talk. And Italy. I didn't think that they would be able to pull off a deal of this magnitude, given that he's a boyhood Milan fan. He's just helped them win their first Serie A title in 10 years. You know, by our understanding, didn't really have much intention of leaving this summer until Newcastle came in. So, yeah, make no bones about it. They, they've pulled off a real masterstroke. Yeah, you know, we think the deal's around 55 million. Represents fair value in this current market. Just a really, really exciting deal. And he's going to, you know, Eddie Howe talked a couple of months before the season ending about what type of players he wanted this summer. He was asked about the likes of Declan Rice and he said, well, we want elite signings and... It, the first one through the door ticks that box. Now, we know Newcastle looked at Declan Rice. He's on the verge of a £105 million move to Arsenal. He's going to have wages in somewhere in the region of, uh, of 200000 There's been other names and other players that they've looked at and scouted in an ideal world would have them on board as well. They've gone to Tenali, who maybe at this present point in time isn't at the level of some of the other names mentioned, like Rice, like uh, Barella. But there's a real belief, isn't there, within Newcastle that this guy, he's coming in for a much better price than the likes of Rice, than the likes of Barella. And if you give him two, three years, there is some belief from some quarters that he may even be better than those two I've just mentioned there. Yeah, I think they're signing a player with real potential. He's only 23. Um, you know, he sort of burst onto the scene in Italy when he was only about 17 or 18 with Brescia. Um and, you know, the two Milan clubs were sort of fighting it out. Um, they've signed a player that not only will strengthen them in the, in the short term, but as you say, you know, in the long term. You know, I think even it was, I think it was Paolo De Canio last week um, who said that he could be, a you know, a future Newcastle United captain. Um, yeah, just really excited to see him now. You know, as you say, 14 international caps, Champions League semi-finalists last year. You know, you just have to look at the outcry in Milan and how gutted they are to have lost him um, which sort of sums up how he's he, how he's seen there and yeah I just I just can't wait to see him on that on that US tour now yeah 
really important that they get him in in time for that as well. You suspect he'll be afforded a, a week or two off before he jets out with the squad. Um, Sean says, what a player we have on our hands. What a midfield we have. Bruno can now push further up the field now. Uh, what's happening about the Southampton right back? We'll get on to further transfer news in a bit. But the, the bit about Bruno pushing up, the big debate is, and we'll probably speak about it uh, in the weeks to come as well, and even once the season's kicked off, is where do we think Tenali will be playing? Because a lot of people, myself included, think he'd be best suited in that number six role. But then others are saying, well, you know, he, he'll play as a number eight. It's not necessarily the move which will see Bruno released, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I wrote a piece about this last week. And, and you know, when the first sort of murmurs of Tenali came out, um, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, this means brilliant. Bruno's not going to be sitting anymore. He's not going to be playing in the sixth role. We're going to have, you know, this... Um, this Brazilian player that we've all wanted to play in a further role up the pitch, he's going to have that. I don't actually think that will be the case. I think Tonali's proven for AC and for the Italian team that he can play in a range of positions. He's very good dribbling going forward. Um, he plays on sort of the left of the midfield um, for Italy. He can play in the eight role. I think Eddie Howe will just keep it fluid. I think, you know, we've all been talking about how Bruno needs to be playing, you know, further up the field, but... Does he? He's had a fantastic season playing deep. And I know, yes, you would like, in an ideal world, probably someone who would sit there every week. But I don't know, I think House had, what, three or four windows now and he hasn't, you know, he's resisted the temptation to go out and buy an out-and-out defensive, you know, sort of sweeper of a midfielder. And I think I think he'll just continue to rotate this season. If you're the guys already in midfield and you're watching this, you've, you've clearly been on our website, Bruno and Sean Longstaff and Co, <laughs> and you've seen... Tenali is signed. He's just been added to the players' WhatsApp group. What are you thinking? Are you if you're Sean Longstaff, Joe Willick, even Joe Linton, perhaps maybe even Bruno? Who knows? Are you a little bit worried, or are you just kind of embracing this and saying, okay, you know, this is the kind of player that I want to see this club sign. This is ambition, and also it pushes me to become a better player. I think that's got to be the mentality, and I think a lot of them already know, especially the likes of Sean Longstaff and players who were maybe not too long ago fighting for their future. They know that. These big calibre players um, are going to be through the door. It's added competition for places. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another midfielder thrown in that mix before the end of the summer. Um, but yeah, they need to up their game, as they as they have done it every turn, by the way. So. so we've got plenty of people getting involved in the discussion in the chat here. So Johnny says Tonali will take the place of Sean Longstaff, right centre midfield, in, in his uh, opinion. Similar work rate, but better on the ball. Bruna is better as a six. Jordy Toon for life says Tonali is not a six. He is an eight. Uh, and people just 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 excited. Dale says, finally we've confirmed Tonali. Great signing and showing the intent of the club. I think Europe and European players are taking notice of Newcastle United. And I think that's what I mean by statement signing. You know, this in many ways. I think we'll we'll see a similar impact to when Trippier signed. I think it's one of those moves where players, if they need persuading, will stand up and take note that there is a project to be had here. And I think the timing of it is quite significant because, as, as we've already sort of touched on, Liverpool yesterday, Sobersly through the door, they've already signed McAllister, two very good midfield additions. In the coming days, Declan Rice to Arsenal, going to be confirmed, Mason Mount to Manchester United. These teams in and around Newcastle are all going out and buying big money midfielders now. I don't know about you, but... For me, Mason Mount isn't worth seventy million. So a slight fair play, you know, looks a real, real talent. McAllister as well, I would have taken, and obviously Declan Rice. But 
I think Newcastle, you know, have struck quite a good deal here. They haven't paid over the odds, um, like they probably would have for Barella. And I think at a time where their rivals are strengthening, you know, they've gone out and got a deal that they really needed to do. So we think it, it'll it, the initial deal is, is less than what they played for Isaac. Do we yeah. think it's going to go above that with add-ons and what have you? They'll that from the, the understanding we've got is that there's a few bonus related clauses in there, a couple of performance related clauses. Um, this is very very common these days. Fifty-five million initial fee. Um, so yeah. Good, good value. And a five-year contract leading to a sixth, again, if, if certain aspects are are met. You know, con- long contracts are, are a great thing for football. But they've tied this guy down. And, and uh, someone's just said there in the comments, I've come up with a new drinking game. Every time Andrew says refreshing, you take a shot. Well, I think this is going to be the first time I've said refreshing in this podcast this week. But, <laughs> stop laughing. It is refreshing to see Newcastle you know, planning ahead, planning for the future, signing these uh, 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 players who weren't even in their peak years. When that contract is up, he's still only going to be 28, isn't he? I mean, in his best year, that, that's when he's reaching his best years. Yeah, I think if you look at this team now, Tonali, 23, Botman, 23, Isaac, 23, Bruno only, what, 25, even Joelinton, 26, Gorn, 21. You've got all these young players Um who are you know nowhere near their, their peak, so to speak. So, yeah, it's very, very exciting. I think if you can add a little bit of experience in there, maybe, you know, you've obviously got trips and share at the back line, but I think I'd like to see maybe one or two more experienced heads, players that have been there. We said it a lot after the Carabao Cup final. They look like they're just maybe lacking a little bit of, you know, cup final know-how, and I think I'd maybe like to see but then does, does Donnelly bring that with him? I mean, he's 23, Champions League, league winner, yeah. plays, plays for his country. He seems to have the experience of someone much older, much much wiser than what a twenty-three-year-old pap should be. Yeah, he does on paper, but I think you know I would like to see somebody you know of an age bracket that's maybe closer to Trippy. I'm not saying I want them to go and sign thirty-year-olds. I don't think they'll go do that. But I just think you look at that squad, and it's brilliant having a youthful squad. Very very exciting for the future. But I just think for the here and now, I wouldn't be against maybe a couple of older players being brought in as well. Do you think he'll be bedded into the first team like we saw with Bruno and, and others where Eddie Howe hasn't just thrown this player straight in? Or do you think the fact that he arrives before pre-season's even begun, he'll be out in the States with, with, with his squad, he'll play a part in, in most of the pre-season games, you, w- you would think. Uh, I mean, the most important bit is that he's training week in, week out with his new teammates. Do you think there'll be any need to bed him in? Or will Eddie Howe come that first game of the season against Aston Villa? If it's right for the team, if it's right for... Tenali, you won't be afraid of starting him. It's interesting because obviously we all know what happened with Bruno. He took his time with him, he bedded him in, he refused to start him, even though there was the real sort of outside noise for him to do so. Um, but obviously Bruno signed in January, Botman came in last summer, everyone thought it would be a similar scenario and I'm pretty sure Botman started on the first game of the season against Forest. I don't think he did. No, Dan, sure. Dan Byrne did. And target left Dan, Dan Byrne and Cher did. But it, but it wasn't long, you know, even if he didn't start that first game, it wasn't long till Botman was in week in, week out. So I think if if Eddie House is fit, I think if he's, you know, if he's up to speed, um, then yeah, I don't see why he can't, um, he can't be, you know, straight in at that team. Roger says, think of the average age, Aaron, relating back to the comment Aaron just made previously about wanting experience. We're still not too young, but yes, we need quality around uh, and the mighty win says is that you Aaron saying you'll never win anything with kids yeah do me best there Hanson impressing 
on that, I mean, is that experience that you're after more Premier League experience rather than a than an experience that just from somewhere across you? Would you? I, mean, I think that's for me. That that's that's what's lacking. I just I always go back to this game and it's the Carabao Cup final and you looked at those two teams walking out and Kieran Trippier has got all the experience in the world European finals Champions League finals he's been there and done it in the Premier League and then you look at that Manchester United team Casemiro Varane Champions League winners David De Gea you know they've all been there and done that and I just think you look at that Newcastle team and, and yes they're still in transition they're still well ahead of schedule but I just think you look at that team and then maybe lacking players that have been there and done it on the biggest occasions. Someone like Trippier, you know, and all these, you know, by the way, you know, signing likes of Bruno, Botman, they've taken the Premier League so quickly, but they've never sort of been there and done it in the biggest competitions. And it's a task, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Newcastle United can go out and sign Casemiro and Varane and players of that quality, but I just think, you know, if they want to be going, you know, deep into competitions, they need players that have that have done it before. And there it says we've got players mature beyond their years in her uh, opinion. Let me just read the statement from Sandro Tonali, who said, first of all, I want to thank you, Newcastle United, because they are giving me a huge opportunity for my career. I want to repay the trust on the pitch, giving it my all, as I always have. I'm really excited about playing at St. James Park, and I can't wait to feel the warmth of the fans. So, he gives a little bit of insights, uh, I think, about what he's been sold here, you know. And like you mentioned right at the start of the show, for him to move from his boyhood club, who, okay, are having a few issues off the pitch, and maybe the money isn't there for them to, to really grow and expand, but make no bones about it, they'll be competing for the title next season. They're in the Champions League, you know. They're a good, solid side. And they're his boyhood club, and Newcastle United have persuaded him to move to Tyneside. That shows you the uh, the sales pitch of Dan Ashworth, Steve Nixon, what they can do to persuade you know players to make the big move. And he's right; it is a huge opportunity for his career, and he must have been sold something really special to to make that leap. Yeah, it was really interesting over the weekend when his agent came out and said that he um, needed a bit of persuading, you know, to join it when it first got offered to him, which is only natural, as you say, leaving your you know sort of beloved boyhood club. Um, I think the Premier League's had a very big pull. You know, everybody wants to play in this league now. I think the fact Newcastle United got Champions League, I don't think this deal would have happened without it. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I say it a lot, but he's getting in, a, you know, not the ground floor, but the first level of a really, really exciting project that could, you know, sort of catapult him into a, you know, completely new uh, phase of his career. Now, we're going to talk about in the show later about James Madison and Dominic Zobzai now. One's gone to Liverpool, one's gone to, to Spurs, and even Newcastle United missed out. But what also has to be remembered about this deal is that Liverpool were monitoring Tonali. Chelsea were very interested in Tonali. So, you know, while fans might, you know, be screaming, we've, we've lost out to two rivals, they've also beaten two rivals to the signing of Tonali, which again goes to show you that, okay, they might not have the spending power at the moment to match the likes of Liverpool and, and other teams because of FFP, but they have got the pull. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a key point about Sobosly and Madison is that ultimately at the end of the day, Newcastle United decided against these players. Yes, you know, on the outside, it looks like they've lost James Madison at Tottenham. They've been tracking James Madison for 12 months and they haven't actually launched an official bid in the last six. I think if they wanted that deal, they could have probably pushed for it harder. Sobosly is a bit different. The release clause was always going to be too high. I don't think they were, you know, 
as soon as Tonali was over the line, I don't think they were ever going to pay £60 million for Solosly. He's spoken publicly on the record about his love for Klopp. These deals, I think Newcastle are being smart. They're not being rolled into deals. They're saying, OK, we might miss out on a few, but you know they're confident that they're going to get the right players. And in, in, in the Tonali deal, you know, does it really matter that they've missed out on Solosly? They've signed, you know, someone who's similar age, similar talent, done you know similar things in Europe. You know, have they really missed out? I'm not too sure. There's been a lot of talk about smoke screens. Uh, Varela, for instance, was was that a smoke screen? Zobazai, was that a smoke screen? Madison, was that even potentially a smoke screen? What do you think? I think I think Barella, I think they they went in with that thinking we really want Nicolo Barella. I don't think they thought they had much chance, but they thought we'll go for it. And Inter Milan sort of did what I thought AC would do and said, absolutely no way, you know, he's absolutely untouchable. We won't sell him to you unless you give us 80 million or whatever, you know, a figure of that amount. AC Milan, I thought, would say something, you know, a lot similar when the Tenali links came out and clearly, for whatever reason, I think it's upset a lot of their fan base. AC Milan said, actually, yeah, you know what, we can do a deal. And I think it's probably caught Tenali on the hop. It's probably caught Newcastle a bit on the hop. But as soon as they got the green light, you saw how quickly it accelerated and they sort of made sure that, you know, okay, we're not going to miss out on this one. Yeah, very, very impressive to get it done. Refreshing, Re- somewhat. Refreshing, yeah. yes, very good. And, and I so. guess also, you know, the kind of panic about being pushed back and pushed back, it, it seems like it went on for an age, but when you actually look at it, in reality, it, it hasn't gone on that long, has it? I mean, you'd li- obviously you'd like it to be confirmed kind of within an instant, but these are big money negotiations. This is a big move for a young man, a new country, a, a new city, a new cl- you know, a big decision to be made and a lot of money that's got to transfer between two parties. So, you know, it, it's no wonder it took, it took a, a little bit of time, uh, more time than maybe others were, were hoping it would do. I mean, two weeks ago, it wasn't on anybody's radar. We, I, I, think it, I think the only reason it's felt like this long wait is because it was agreed so soon and then we just had, what, six, seven days of no updates of them happening. They were ironing it all out. Are you... As a fan, and, and do you think our listeners and our viewers are still potentially caught in that cycle of thinking, this is going to go, this is going to go waste, this is not going to go well, you know, something's going to come out and spoil this because of the 13, 14 years under Mike Ashley where you were always expecting something to go wrong and it usually usually did. Yeah, I think, I think there's maybe a little bit of PTSD there. I think people still aren't over the scores, but I think also... Just naturally, I think Newcastle fans are just a little bit, little bit panicky at times. They want to get you know the best deals over the line, and I think, as I said, everything seemed like it was agreed, and then we had no, you know a couple of days of nothing when Italy got knocked out of the Euros. Um, but I think the timing of the deal and the fact that the player was in Romania when it happened, Ashworth and all that had to fly to Milan and then out to the Euros. Uh, I think that obviously added a couple of days on, and, and they were trying to get the formality sort of over the line. So Mighty Wynn says Newcastle have been smart. They've shown that they won't be held to ransom. They offer their valuation and it's there to take or leave. Only good in the long term with financial fair play. Steven says over the moon with the Tenari signing. I think we could do with a new striker nobody's ever heard of like Victor Osimhen. Very good there. Very good. I don't think uh, that one will, uh, will, will happen. Might be a bit pricey. Uh, Truel says I don't think Madison would have fit our style of play as we press a lot and that's not his game. Yeah, a few people have said that. Thank you for the comments. Make sure um, you keep them coming in. 
yeah, just just really exciting. Let's hear from what Eddie Howe had to say. He said, I'm delighted to welcome Sandro to Newcastle United. He's an exceptional talent and has the mentality, physicality and technical attributes to be great for us. At 23, Sandro already has important experience as a key player in one of Europe's top leagues and in the Champions League as well as playing for his country. But he also has the opportunity and potential to grow and evolve with us. And I'm excited to add him to our squad as we approach the exciting season ahead. So, Eddie Howe clearly over the moon with that addition. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting. He's never going to say first team. He says squad. I think I think he, he's still going to have to work, as we've kind of alluded to. He's mm-hmm. going to have to work for his place. Yes, he might cost 50-odd million, but he's not going to be handed a, a place in this team easily, is he? No, not, not at all. And I think when you look at you know the rise of Longstaff, how good will it was at the end of the season... The fact you've got Joel and Am Bruno that can play in a number of roles in there, you know, he's got to fight just as hard as the rest. He's not going to get this luxury of coming in and walking straight into the team. And I just hope that he hope that he knows that and hope he's ready for it. I'm sure he will be. And you know, exceptional talent has the mentality, physicality, and technical attributes. I mean, the mentality is really keys in this year. And again, we've mentioned how big of a move it is for him personally. You know, he's he's, he's uprooting, isn't he? And he's he's starting up again. You know, that's gonna have a, a an impact as well, but you know he'll he'll have the mentality to get past that, and then just he'll have everything about him to handle the rigors of playing in the Premier League, the most physical league in, in Europe, won't he? Yeah, I think you know when you watch him and what he's done in Serie, a very very different league. They play very very different football, but he looks like he's got it all. He's very physical. He's very very good on the ball, dribbling and passing. Very good awareness. He ticks a lot of boxes, but. We've seen before, and we've seen, by the way, a lot with Italians. They come over, and it just, you know, doesn't work. I remember, you know, all that fanfare about Aquilani back in the day just didn't make it at Liverpool. You know, Newcastle, you know, didn't have the best of luck signing Italians. Are you in still the thinking years. it's a slight gamble? I mean, it's always a gamble. It's isn't always it? a gamble. Look, Bruno was a gamble. Bottom was a gamble. I think any time you sign a player that hasn't played in the Premier League, it's a gamble. We've seen before. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but I think, as I said based on what we've seen of him in Italy, you know, on the European stage, on the international stage, I think it's a, it's a good deal. Here comes Sam Mulner of Newcastle Fans TV. I might have mentioned once or twice that I'm a huge Tenari fan. He will need time, though. Brilliant statement sign. Yes, Sam um, believes he could be a scout for Newcastle United because he keeps picking players that actually sign. Maybe he's Steve Nixon in disguise. Yeah, I, I, I texted him last week and asked him, you know, who was next in, in his crystal ball, but... He hasn't given that away yet. Um, yes, yeah, so but I think, you, as you can just tell in the comments, everyone's really excited. The big question is, where next? So the two, I mean, the, the two names I keep cropping up, Conor Gallagher and Calvin Phillips, and then you have Yusuf Fanana, uh, who have been, who's been linked recently. Let's start with the, the two of Conor Gallagher and, and Calvin Phillips. We know Newcastle United lately. I mean, these have been on the radar for a long time. Um, loan deals is what's been touted and I think it's very sensible from Newcastle United um, my one concern is with a loan deal is how much they buy into the project I think it's slightly different from, from, from Conor Gallagher because I can see him looking to move permanently in a year's time but I, I do worry about Calvin Phillips if Newcastle signed him on loan because I think he comes here with the plan of impressing but going back to City next season I'm not sure Newcastle United necessarily need that. I'm not sure Newcastle United... I, I, I don't know you want that. You want a player who comes and buys 100% into the project. Can you do that for just a season? 
Look, I think there's a way to structure these deals nowadays where, you know, it's very rare that, you know, top creme clubs sort a loan deal out unless there's sort of some obligation or option to buy at the end. Based on Dan Ashworth's record at Brighton, they were so against loaning players in unless they had that option in. I can't see Newcastle United going out and trying to loan one of these players this summer and not sticking one of those clauses in. Conor Gallagher, it's a, it's a funny one because, you know, it feels like if the day ends in a Y, Conor Gallagher's going to be linked with Newcastle United. We've seen it for the last 18 months. Eddie Howe clearly likes him. Chelsea, you know, this is probably the time to try and get him. Chelsea are going to have to have a major revamp. Calvin Phillips, very, very hard to see how he signs for Newcastle after coming out two weeks ago and saying, you know, I really, really want to fight for my future at Man City. Um, I suppose if Pep says, well, I don't want you, then that's maybe the only re- way into it. Well, that's but it, isn't it? Like, so from pe- I've had conversations with, with some people on Phillips's future at City. He's not going to get guaranteed first-team football. So if he goes knocking on Pep Guardiola's door, he's not going to get the guarantees he's looking for. Um, and I think there's a mindset that actually it, it, it would be a good deal for Manchester City as well because then Guardiola can make a, a more educated judgment on the future of Phillips having seen him play for a top side, i.e. Newcastle, in the Champions League, in the Premier League, battling at the right end of the league. And he's done that if he stays injury free for a but season. That's the that's the big that's if the it's a fair play, it's a good move for the player and you know, City might get a chance to see what you know, the real Phillips that they signed, but you know, it's a gamble for Newcastle United. If you get the Calvin Phillips that was at Leeds, it's an absolute no brainer. But that, I just think that's one deal that I, I, I can't see happening until right at the end of the window when, you know, he knows for certain he's not gonna get first team football, but that just plays into into my Kind of theory that I don't know if you if you're being made if you're on your cast night and you're being made to wait for someone who's going to come this and is, then expect this, first team football. This is this is your big thing, isn't it? And you mention it all the time. You really don't want players that didn't want to come to cast night in the first place, and you feel like they've, you know, a deal's gone late in the window and they've had to move. You know, you want a player that says, in your mind, now Calvin Phillips has came out and said, I want to stay at Manchester City. Does that make you think, I don't want Newcastle United to go and sign them? Yes, to a degree. I mean, if he hadn't said that, and then Newcastle was still waiting until the very last day of the window, and then he signed, then I wouldn't have too much of an issue with that. But I just think the fact that he's already gone, you know, I'm I'm not too fussed about that. I want to prove myself. And I can understand why he wants to... I mean, this is the thing. Like, if... If Newcastle go and they say, right, here's a loan deal, Calvin, we can't guarantee you first-team football, but impress and train and make the most of the opportunities, you more like we'll be in, but we're not going to make that down on paper. Does he see that as a step down? Does he does he see that as the first foot out of the door? Like, like is that the point? I mean, is there a return for him at Manchester City? How many players leave, 27, 28-year-olds, leave Manchester City on loan, go back the next season and are a first-team regular? I think, oh, I think... If he leaves this summer, I think that is him done for City, so and he probably if knows that's that. Going in his head, yeah. And also, uh, just from a personal point of view, obviously I don't know what Calvin Phillips is thinking in his mind, but he's left Leeds United where he was loved, where he'd worked his way in the England setup. He was, you know, first name on the team sheet, and he's gone to Manchester City for a big money move, and it hasn't worked out. On a personal level, he must be thinking, "I really want to turn this around." You know, I really want to fight for my place here. And look, we've seen it before. Pep Guardiola. Look at Nathan Athey last season. Nobody wanted him at Newcastle United when they were linked with him. 
you know, he stayed at Manchester City and he's one of the first names on the team sheet last season. It can happen. And if Calvin Phillips can refine that form at Leeds, I think I think he would he would fit in that team at Manchester City. But I also think this is, I mean City wanted um Declan Rice. So what does that say to Calvin Phillips? And and they've also went inside Matteo Kovacic as well. So uh, look, I know, I know. But ultimately, you know, he's came out publicly on the record and said, "I want to stay." You know, the only reason I think Newcastle get him now is if Pep says, "You know, you know, we don't want you in anymore." But again, do you want? Do you want to be that club that he's? Oh, do you know what? Fine, yes, I'll come. Like, yeah. and look, it's a big gamble. It's a big, big gamble because of his fitness and 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 how it's gone from at City so far. But I mean, no. He still gets still gets called up for England. Southgate still sees him, you know, as a as a very good option. Um, but I think one thing that we haven't touched on, on and, and Gallagher and Phillips is that it represents that how was was probably telling the truth when he said that they're working from a really small hmm. pool of players. How many times have we seen Gallagher's name always crop up, Phillips's name always crop up? There's always the same sort of characters that he's clearly really really keen on. And loan deals are going to be really important. I think you know they're going to be clever because. You bring in Phillips, you bring Conor Gallagher on loan. That does free up a budget elsewhere. I think on Conor Gallagher, my issue is, you know, he was he was wanted in that first January window, and he didn't come. He went to Crystal Palace. Now, it might be for personal reasons. You know, he doesn't want to leave London. Fair enough. But and does does he improve this Newcastle? Well, that, eleven. That, I'm not sure. That's the other thing. But it's also, I mean, the first thing is, I think that says a lot about his character. You know, Kieran Trippier. We know he wanted to come back to England. But he was coming back to a relegation fight. We know Bruno wanted to play in the Premier League, but he was coming again to a team that looked like they were going at the Championship. But they both said, yes, I'm up for the challenge. I believe in Eddie Howe. I believe in the project. We'll get out of this. Conor Gallagher wasn't persuaded. He didn't want, he didn't want to join Newcastle United in that scenario. So for me, again, you know, if you weren't willing to jump in and help at the first instance, then why should you come and, and catch the train once it's left the... The, the horrible stop. Yeah, no, I think I think ultimately I think they've, they've signed one player so far, very very good player at that. But you know, they've finally got their first man on the belt. Now they need to be looking at other priorities. And I just think ultimately does Conor Gallagher instantly walk into this first team? He doesn't. I, I don't know. Well, that's it. I mean, where where does he play? Who, how does he improve? And he he, yeah. he doesn't. I think he's a, he's a good player. But for me, he would be a squad player at Newcastle. I think just as he is at Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There, you know, why, why would you want to take a Chelsea squad player? Unless Eddie Howe. I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, our opinions are our opinions, but if Eddie Howe and Steve Nixon and, and, and co think these players can improve the squad, their opinions count more than anyone else's. And so you've got to trust them. And they haven't got anything wrong, you know, some would say so far. So, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I do think loan deals are definitely going to be really important this uh, this window. Let me just dive into the comments then. Um John says, with the standard we need to reach, are Gallagher and Phillips good enough? The chairman has made it clear we've got to be number one. And interesting, that that, that comment uh, came up in a, a video that I did. Um, I think it was actually when we were guests on, on Loaded Mag and I mentioned Tyler Adams as my dream signing. I got absolute pelters for it. Um, realistic dream signing, you know, good player. Um, and someone responded and said, you know, the chairman said, we want to be number one, we're going to sign the best players. But, I, 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 you know, he can say that, he can have that ambition. I think every fan has that ambition, but it's also going to be a, a dose of reality where you want to be number one, but the budget and 
financial fair play and players not wanting to move, what have you, that's going to stop you becoming number one in an instant, isn't it? Well, I mean, in the short term, yes. I think you know, we've got to have a real dose of realism. Yes, Newcastle United have gone and signed out you know, one of Italy's best midfielders, but they're still lagging way behind commercially and financially to the likes of Liverpool and um, Chelsea and Arsenal and Manchester United. So, you know, you can't become number one overnight. But the players that they're signing, you know, they're, they're picking up such good deals from Europe and obviously, you know, close at home. Um, and they're well ahead of schedule. So, you know, they can probably accelerate some of those plans. Mighty win says, where would Phillips play now that we've got Tonali? I think Phillips would be the would be the sort of deep midfielder that everyone's crying out for. Um, whereas I think Tonali will play further up the pitch. Would you then see, let's for instance, because I think, I think Newcastle will go and get a defensive midfielder, someone who is, I know Eddie Howe is one of these players who can rotate and can be versatile, but I still think Newcastle can do with an out-and-out defensive midfielder. They go and get that person, let's say it's Calvin Phillips, Tyler Adams, uh, for example. You then are seeing Bruno on one side, Tenali on the other, and then is it Joe Linton perhaps on, up on the left? Maybe, I think. I think it would be, it's hard to see Joe Linton not in the starting eleven, and I think he's proven, especially the back end of last season, that he can actually play in a forward position now and actually, you know, add goals to his game and that, you know, he's massively improved his link to play. Um I'm I'm not sure, you know, I I can see them signing another midfielder, but I think it would be for depth purposes. I, I I can't see an out and out defensive midfielder now being signed that's gonna sort of walk into the team and I think I think they could maybe add more cover there because I think they're still a bit light after Shelby's exit. But I just think have they got someone that is Teotihuacan, someone who bites at the angles? No, probably. Not. I mean, no, probably not. Do they need it? Yeah, I think so. I think I think ultimately, I know we've talked about Eddie Howe wanting to be sort of fluid in that midfield, but I think they actually need someone who's just going to sit there and mop up and and you know for whatever reason so far Howe just hasn't really felt that that's necessary. So. You know, that's why he's paid the big bucks and not me. Uh, Trio says, would not take Gallagher or Phillips, but Chris disagrees. Says, get Calvin Phillips in for 30 million and he would take him. It's a, uh, he's a great player. We've got uh, Phillips saying, Gallagher is a good player, but no better than Willick, in my opinion. Loads of people getting in on who um, Newcastle United should sign. We'll bring Sam back on. Tyler Adams, the dream, still after that prize 11th place finish. For those who don't remember, I said Newcastle will. F- I would, wouldn't mind Newcastle finishing eleventh to twelfth last season because I was being realistic and didn't want to overhype what we could achieve as a, as a as a club, and proved wrong. But again, if we're talking about a player who does the dirty work, doesn't grab the headlines, has experience, Tyler Adams fits the bill for me. And you know, yes, he's been relegated. Doesn't mean you're a bad player. Madison's off to Spurs. I mean, we could go around the houses on this again, but. Come on then, shoot me down on Tyler Adams. No, I'm not. I'm not going to shoot you down at all. I'm going to say he's a very, very good player. Um, decent addition. He would, he would, really, really um, improve the team. But I just don't think I could ever class him as my my dream signing. I'm afraid. Maybe replace dream with realistic, or okay, at least add yeah, that, that in. That makes more sense. I mean, if we're talking about dream, I mean, where does it stop? Well, where are you drawing? Where are you drawing the boundaries on that? But I just think that if that was your go-to dream signing, then. I think you just need to be... But I was being realistic. No, well, that's, that wasn't the question. But the dream, question was dream. Okay, it, Well, who's your dream then? What, 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 set me dream the with Dream within reason. So it can't be Mbappe. It can't be Messi. 
somebody that you could see Newcastle United pulling off an absolute masterstroke from this summer. That would be that would, you know, shock the world. Eze. Yeah, see, see, now that is a much better answer than Tyler Adams. I'm fully on board with Eze. Okay, most underrated signing. Give me Tyler Adams. Okay. I think, you know, Philip Billing, Tyler Adams fits in that category, doesn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. much better. Glad we But look, Kaze, GHGM, easy for me to say. Adam Tyler from Leeds is the perfect player for us. He batted us when he played uh, against us. Thank you. I'm glad someone agrees with me. Chris says, do we need a midfielder with Julian Willick, Longstaff, Bruno? Should we not be looking elsewhere? I mean, that's what a lot of people are asking. Is it oversubscribed in that area? No, I don't think so. But I think, you know, the next priority needs to be, you know, a different position. I would like to see another left-back brought in. You know, I'm still clamouring for a right midfielder. Um, so, yeah, I think there's the, there's other priorities now, now that the strength in that midfield. Um, a lot of people are talking about full-backs. Obviously, Livermento, <laughs> Southampton, Newcastle, the last uh, we heard, it put a bit in somewhere just over the region of, of 20 million. Southampton won close at 50 because of the way Chelsea stitched them up with... Uh, various clauses. What do you think Newcastle will go up to? Do you think the bid they've got currently in at the moment is probably about it? I think I think uh, as this drags on further, I think it's looking less and less likely. I think they, they've proven it time and time again and I think history might be repeating itself. They don't want to be bounced into a deal where they're paying over the odds and I think at the minute, Livermento is probably in that category. I think... Southampton know that they might actually get a bid, bid more for him through Noni Castler and I think there'd be a lot of suitors for him. Um, so yeah, I think I think the, the price might just be a bit too high at the moment. Alan Payne saying, we need a right winger. We know Aaron Musa Diaby would be your pick. Yeah, um, that would be my dream. So, and they mentioned to me over the weekend, uh, Ricardo Horta, who uh, plays over in Portugal. And for yeah, Benfica maybe. Yeah, and... Um, Portuguese international, uh, very very good player, and the kind of player you could see in Newcastle United going in for wouldn't be wouldn't be cheap, but uh, he scored a boatload of goals again last season. Uh, but again, with the Champions League football, and you know Portugal for Newcastle is a pretty untapped market, really. You know we've seen them linked to the likes of um, Ramos, Ramos from from Benfica as well, and obviously Liverpool seem to have uh, a good network set up there, but. You know the likes of Benfica and Porto have some you know good players that definitely could improve this squad and Horta probably would fit the bill perfectly. There. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know Newcastle have proven they've got a very very good scouting network in Europe. Um, again, Bundesliga players as well. I've seen them linked a lot with them. Um, obviously, it was Diaby last summer. There's a lot of. I mean, I'm sure someone's already mentioned it in the comment this afternoon about potentially signing Florian Wirtz um, for the Bundesliga. Yeah, there's a lot of options out there. And of course, Chazer as well from the uh, from Serie A, which has been sort of thrown up again over the weekend. Yeah, apparently he's on his way out of Juventus. And that, I mean, we're talking about Denali being a statement sign, and that, yeah, was, would, that would certainly be, wouldn't it? Fantastic addition, yeah. Could you see Mickey going, though? Because, I mean, a new winger comes in, obviously, I mean, does that mean Almiron's out, or does that mean he's just said, go and fight for your place? You've also got Jacob Murphy there. Gordon can play on the, on the flanks as well. I mean, a new addition onto the to the right wing, what would that mean for Miguel Almiron? I don't think it would be the end for Miggy in terms of his, his career at Newcastle. I think it would just mean he maybe drops to a to a squad player. I think for me, if you're looking at that Newcastle team on paper, I think the two positions that you want to go out and strengthen now 
or left back and right midfield. I think they're the two positions where you can really elevate this standard, you know, and take it to Champions League level. And I think Eddie Howe said over the summer he wanted two or three elite signings. I think you've got one of them in midfield already. I think if you can go out and get a really, really solid left back and a good attacking uh, right midfielder who's gonna add your goals, I think you're absolutely laughing. Um, Howie the lad says Miggy's now thirty. He can get good money for him after his flash in the pan. I don't think... I think we'll see a few more goals from him next season. I think he'll still have a, a part to play, as with the likes of Jacob Murphy. Simon says, what about Jadon Sancho? And I've seen this I've seen it. I've talked seen about. Newcastle fans talking about this. And if he's available for the 45, 50 million that I've seen reported, you could see Eddie Howe. He loves a project. I'm, if I'm honest, I'm I'm not sure what wages is on at Manchester United, but I'm imagining... He'd have to be the highest player, He would probably be the top earner. Because, and I think the fact that they've just... Maybe walked away from the Madison deal because of him wanting 170. I don't know, but again, a bit of a gamble. But I, w- you know, I would take him. I think you look back at what he did at Lever- uh, uh, Dortmund. Sorry, I was really surprised it hasn't worked out for Manchester United as, as we all thought it would. Now, Greg Lars um, told us we're living in a fantasy land with some of these ideas. 25 man squad limited further than the Champions League by the lack of academy products means we need to ship a lot of championship quality players before we start adding depth into the midfield of defence. Hadrian Hendrik, Manquillo, Fraser, Darlow, earning about £150,000, £200,000 a week, in his opinion, between them, and doesn't they don't even have a place in the in the 25. Who buys them and pays those wages? Kraft now back in working order, no longer, Gordon no longer deemed an under-21 player as well. And it's a good point, but what I would say to that is, if you're Newcastle United, knowing you need to add depth, knowing you need to improve the squad, you are not standing still until you get rid of all them players, even a handful of them. You, you know that if an opportunity presents itself like it has here with Denali or like it will with whoever in a week's time, you will move and you will deal with having to shift people out exit-wise when you have to. It is a very good point, but I think we saw last summer with Newcastle, they got rid of Fernandes and, and players very, very late. I think last deadline day in the summer, that there wasn't any incomings, but there was four or five that headed for the exit door um, which I think we'll see again I think as the window goes on some of those players that he's mentioned Hayden, Hendrick you might not find suitors for them straight away on the money that they're on but by the end of the window you'll be able to ship them out somewhere keep Yabby Mankiller though right have I persuaded yet? no we, we don't need to go over this again I'm afraid <laughs> um, the other name that came up over the weekend was Yusuf Fanana now Fafana rather um, what, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, so linked um, would be a decent addition, but again, I think, I mean, I said this about Tonali, don't know how much of it's paper talk, um, but yeah, it would certainly be a good addition. One to watch there. Um, now, just let's briefly talk about uh, a bit more about Dominic Zabazai and James Madison. Newcastle have missed out on them, but have they really missed out on them? I mean, does it show that Newcastle United are sensible, uh, they're not hot-headed, they're not going to just dive in because another team are coming up behind them. They've got a plan and the Lodge is going to stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, Madison, because of how long the Madison chase went on, I think everybody was really, really clamouring for it because they wanted to get it over the line. I think when you maybe take a step back and take the, the black and white spectacles off, there was a lot of question marks around that deal. He would have already came in and been the top earner by a long way based on what Spurs are paying him. Where does he fit in this system? Does he do enough work defensively? 
I think I'm happy to let that one go. Sobertsly, if I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, you know, why is it maybe a risk? He's never played in the Premier League before. Was he just a flash in the plan at Leipzig? Again, where we fit in. But I think Sobertsly is maybe one they've maybe missed out on compared to Madison. But it's not like they're standing still. Sobertsly signed for Liverpool yesterday and already Newcastle have already got a very, very good central midfielder. And so... They're going to miss out on some big targets this summer, but you can guarantee the players that bring in are, are going to you know, cut the mustard as well. Well, that's it. It's not always going to go in your cast United's way, but you know that they've planned for every eventuality. They've planned for getting Sobazai, they've planned for not getting Sobazai, they've planned for get him getting turned down. You know, All the outcomes they've planned for and they move on. And you keep mentioning it, but they don't stand still. They'll be working on targets right now. And yes, some might come out of the blue. Some will have been linked because of the small pool they work from. But rest assured that just because Tenali's been signed, you know, they haven't put the phone down. Dan Ashworth hasn't gone off to on his holidays for a week. He'll be he'll be looking to get the next uh, player through the door. And I'm going to have to say that word again. It's really refreshing, it is. Drink. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And I think we've seen how quick things can move in transfer windows at the best of times, especially when Newcastle United. I mean, some of these names that were mentioned, Tonali wasn't even mentioned two weeks ago. Livermento came out the blue last week. You know, there is players on that list that we haven't heard about yet. To you guys watching live on YouTube or watching on YouTube after, please hit that thumbs up button just below the video. Really does help us out, get the video out to a wider audience. And if you listen on the podcast channel, thank you as always. Please leave us a rating and a review and also click that follow button on your podcast provider. Yeah, the transfer window is you know, very interesting. Uh, question in the comments there regarding cover for Bruno because, of course, Newcastle, when Bruno didn't play last season, uh, didn't win at all. Have Newcastle United now got someone in Tonali who can can carry whatever it is Bruno has about them, which just makes Newcastle a better side? Yeah, I think, I think that's actually a really, really good point. I think... Do I want is the word aura? You know, someone who's I mean, Bruno now has got this sort of way about him where clubs go out and they target him. You're now bringing in a player from Serie A who is, you know, probably equally as good. They've now got more options, I think, when Bruno drops out, as you say to all these, I still think they maybe need one more midfielder, but it's not a priority. Let them, you know, do that at the end of the window. But again, it it goes back to how Newcastle addressed the window that in my head, I'm going to simplify it. You know, on the left-hand side, you have priority positions. On the right-hand side, you have priority players. And you know, it's not like they go after the left or right-hand side. They go after whichever one is really there in front of them. And you know, it is good to see that they're adaptable to whatever situation presents himself. And it's like the James Madison one. Let's make no bones about it. James Madison, if he was on top of the, the priority list uh, come the end of the, the season just gone, he was very near... Mm-hmm. But he wasn't his position wasn't the priority. Yeah. But Newcastle move and they work to within, like I say, the opportunities that present and to the club as well. You know that sort of left and right you just mentioned. They also they're really really you know price is a big thing for them, and they will not pay over the odds. They probably could have got that Madison deal done twelve months ago if they just paid up, but they didn't want to. You know they don't want to be paying over the odds, and I think that's just refreshing to see. Way drink. Um, just briefly then, because obviously the signing of, of Dominic Zobzai to Liverpool has re-earthed Jurgen Klopp's comments about some teams have a ceiling. Uh, 
whatever ceiling he was referring to seems to have disappeared down at Anfield. Yeah, but you know one of the. Do you ever watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? As yeah. a kid, you know those really high floating ceilings where he used to float up to them. I think that's Liverpool's ceiling at the moment. Very, very high. I mean, they've just went out and spent thirty-five million on McAllister, which, by the way, I think Steel. is a very, very good value for money. They've went out and paid, you know, close to sixty for Sobersly. Do we believe uh, that's up front? Is that is that also what maybe didn't yeah. lend itself to Newcastle? Yeah, I think Newcastle, you know, didn't want to pay that release clause. Liverpool made it their mission to get that deal done before July the first. Um, and you know, by the way, I think Liverpool will probably go out and strengthen yet again. Um, so I don't think their business will be done. It again just goes to show that one, um, you know, Jurgen Klopp maybe needs to stop having jibes about other people's spending when, I mean, even last summer, you know, Darwin Nunez brought in for a lot of money. Um, Luis Diaz the season before, a lot of money. They've already got Jota and Salah in those positions as well. And actually I was looking this morning at who Liverpool have sold and they haven't sold any players this summer. Their only big deal last, their only sort of big exit last summer was Mane for about thirty million. They don't recoup a lot of money, um, but they spend at will, um, and I just I can't understand why they always plead poverty. What do you think the reason behind that is? Why did he come out and, and uh, was it he was just trying to stoke up the kind of anger from critics that was already there about Newcastle United? I don't know. I think I think of all the Premier League managers, he's probably the hardest to read. I, I don't have a clue why he came out and sort of went you know for Newcastle It, it like probably that. didn't even have anything to do with Newcastle. It was probably yeah. a message to his owners to yeah. say, we yeah. fall back here. Do you, do you think, I and mean, we'll end this discussion in Liverpool after this question, but do you think the fact that Liverpool haven't got Champions League football, it maybe, you know, what they can, they can sell that in a way to potential arrivals by saying, look, we haven't got the, the pressure, we haven't got the games to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially. I think I think they'd still prefer to be in the position where they could offer Champions League football. But I think a lot of it, look, comes down to history. And, and we might be sat here in 20 years' time, if we're still doing this podcast in 20 years' time. And we might be talking about Newcastle having this sort of history of always being in the Champions League. Liverpool have got that now. You know, they're a big draw. They're a huge club around the world. And I think players like Soboslai know that. And even though they're not in the Champions League this season, you know, eight or nine out of the next 10 seasons, they probably will be. Well, I do hope Jurgen Klopp got planning permission for expanding his ceiling, though, because it probably won't go through retrospectively. Anyway, a word for Anthony Gordon, because I did a video that went out on a YouTube channel yesterday, which was Sunday, about do Newcastle United need another striker? And it's quite split, actually, the, the comments. And I've seen a few people in here asking the question, do they need another striker? I know exactly what your answer, Aaron, is going to be, because... Anthony Gordon did it again for England. Is he Newcastle United's third choice striker? You know my views on it, and I think I think he's playing so well in that position. And I know you touched on it last week that he played there at Everton and it didn't work, but he just looks he just looks a player reborn. And I think Newcastle have got other positions that they need to strengthen this summer. Why not save a bit of money? and just use Gordon as your third-choice striker if you need it. But when's he going to get the chance? Well, look, they're fighting on four fronts next season. Callum Wilson, as we know, can't stay fit. There's there's a possibility that he could actually be second-choice striker next season at some point. So I'm all for it. I'm loving the confidence that I'm seeing from him on, on international duty. Long may it continue. I hope England go all the way, and he's a huge part of it. He might actually have a shout for player of the tournament, if so, which would be a huge confident boost. And, I mean, we were sat here... 
three or four weeks ago talking about Anthony Gordon and we were saying then he's the player next season that we really cannot wait to see and I mean you know that feeling now is just multiplied about tenfold I really really cannot see wait to see him next season yeah we said a few weeks ago we're just really excited aren't we to see Anthony Gordon just work under a full pre-season with Eddie Howe but then he's also going to come in and just on a world of confidence isn't he because of how well he's playing and it's going to be interesting because we are talking about Newcastle potentially looking on the left or the right wing, but could he potentially be the the man to 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 to, to start the season out on the wings as well? Yeah, yeah, I mean he could. I think that there's absolutely nothing stopping him. I think we saw the back end of last season; he was slowly getting better. You know, he was. You know, I remember I can't remember what game it was. Southampton maybe where he hit the post and got took off at half time because we were getting beat. I think it was Southampton. Um, he was really starting to come to his own. And also, on the last day of the season, we saw him playing in that number eight role at Chelsea. You know, do Newcastle think, well, he's our you know sixth-choice midfielder. Do we not need to go out and get another one? So many options that you get with him. Um, but yeah, I'm just hoping that he can continue in this form once he comes back to Newcastle. Yeah, fingers crossed. Looking forward to seeing him next season. Just a quick word, Aaron, on the uh, away kit. Nice and green. I'm not a big fan of it. Your thoughts? I, w- I wasn't too uh, much of a fan of it. And then I must admit, about an hour after it got released last week, I was walking through Alden Square and I just saw a sea of them. And yeah, maybe not as bad as I first first thought. I don't been, think it's one that I'll be buying. Though. No, I've not been persuaded, unfortunately. But I'm sure I've seen lots of you guys already yeah. loving it. Um, you can head over to our YouTube channel and see bit of a vox pot with fans who were at the club shop on the morning it was released and uh, spending their hard-earned cash. Briefly on exits then, Jamal Lascelles linked to uh, West Ham. Mancullo reportedly been told he can leave. I mean, what are we thinking? I mean, Lascelles is an interesting one. We, we see it time and time again, unless he's pushing to go. I can't see him leaving, but he is at that age where he's still got a good few years ahead of him where he could get first-team football and West Ham might suit him perfectly the only other thing is does he want to be part of this journey at Newcastle as captain regardless of the minute he'll be playing yeah Lascelles I think you've hit the nail on the head I think if Lascelles wants to go I think the door is completely open for him on the flip side I think if he says to Howe look I want to stay and be part of it I think there'll be no real rush to get him out unless a you know sort of a Chris Wood-esque forest offer comes in where the financials are too good I think other departures, I think, you know, we'll start to see some movement on Carl Darlow. I know there's a lot of clubs chasing him at the moment. Um, and then again, you're looking at the likes of Mankio, Hendrick and Hayden being told they haven't have a future. Um, and then I think, yeah, maybe then you're looking at the likes of Jamal Lewis. And Curtains for Jamal Lewis, or is it a loan deal and see if he can be back next next season? I've... Eddie Howe's shown that he clearly sees something in him. He's kept him around and he's tried to give him the chances. Yeah, a loan deal might not might not be um, out of the question. Um, and when do we think we're going to hear on Paul Dummett and, and uh, Lloris? I mean, it's been a little wee while, hasn't it's it? It's got to be soon, yeah. I mean, the, the deadline's obviously passed. It's, it's essentially they're both free agents now if they haven't signed a new deal. Um, I think Paul Dummett is likely to stay put... Carrius, I wouldn't be so sure about. Um, I think he could be he could be away. One to watch him and keep a date on our website, chroniclelive.co.uk, where we have our dedicated transfer live blog. Just a reminder again to please vote for the podcast in the British Podcast Awards. I'm going to pop the link in once again. It'll take you just a couple of minutes to do and really would appreciate it. Um, we appreciate all your support and bear with us because it's time for some trivia. 
Um, and it's a very quick one this week, Aaron. Got it written down here on my notepad. So, Sandro Tonali is the sixth Italian to play for Newcastle United. Um, and I'm going to ask you to name the other five. I mean, you, Aaron, over the weekend, you were at the races. So how how did you look go there? Not very well. You think it's going to go better here? Oh, I should hope so, because it was an absolute stink one Saturday. So, <laughs> did you put um, any bets on any black and white horses out of interest? No, That's what I always do. No, I, I'm I'm all about the form, all about the. So you, you actually researching? Yeah, 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 completely. Yeah. Whereas my missus and, and my family were sort of going off the the jotty colours. Like, you see, for me, I only it's only the Grand National. It's always black and white, or like a, like a name. So like, had there been I don't know, like a, a Sandro running or a, yeah. a Joe Linton is that fella yeah, I wanted to, all wanted about to that. you know okay, get you. So you should try that. It might work out better for you. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. So the five players to have played for Newcastle United who are Italian. Okay, so most recently it was Antonio Baraka. Yep. Who really struggled. Um, before that, I think we are going to have to go back to David Santon. Yep, so you've got the last two. Are you are you, you going to try and go in order? I'm going to try and go back, but if I'm completely honest, I'm, those, were, those were my two sort of bankers and now I'm... I might need a couple of hints. Are they? Are these? These can't be well known. Are they well known? You'll know them. You'll know them. You'll know them. I mean, the first one signed when you were. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say one, maybe. The first one. Yeah. Pistoni. That's the first one. Yeah. Okay. Alessandro Pistoni. And then two. Give me, give me the, give me the rough years. I might be able to get them. Ah, oh, do you know what? I didn't write the years down, okay. but both one was on. Well, one was on loan. Okay. And one was a was a young. Striker who was tipped to be the very next big oh, thing well, and wasn't at all. Somebody's just given me it in the comments there, and I'm going to go Giuseppe Rossi yep. from Manchester United. Yeah, he was the loan. Yeah, the the man that we all thought was going to be very very good. And then, oh, this was this 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 youngster was because I think Giuseppe Rossi was about 25, 26. Oh, this was he the, passed this the, the youngster this stage. The youngster. This guy, has anyone in the comments got it? Nothing. I'm not going to tell you. Sam Valera. Yeah. Sam Bella. Yeah. Do you know what? I think I have to hide the comments yeah, so you don't I get think any help. So. But yes, it was. It was a Fabio Zambella who was signed as part of that kind of big drive by Mike Ashley to, to sign up the, the next best things you might remember. Who was the goalkeeper that signed? He, and uh, he retired at 29, became a DJ. I can't remember his name. Is this the same era, sort of Zisco, Ignacio, Gonzalo? Yeah, it was a couple of years before. Do you remember yeah. there was, um, was it, uh, who was the, uh, was it Kadar? Mm. I'm sure he that was, was part of that yeah. gang and yeah so Fabio Zambrella was one of them um, but yes chaps this has been the everything is black and white podcast we do appreciate you joining us as usual on a Monday me and Aaron will be back next week please hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube and give the video a thumbs up uh, and thank you to the mighty win who says he's just voted for us in the British Podcast Awards. If you could do that, we really would appreciate it. And as I said, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we will keep you up to date with all the latest Newcastle Night news, including through our dedicated Transfer Live blog. And from myself and Aaron, thank you as always, and we'll see you very soon.